we have squirrels. We have squirrels in our attic. Can you believe that? And so the guy repairing the hole so the squirrels can't get in is here at the same time that the guy who is capturing the squirrels is here at the same time the guy who's cutting the grass outside on the big platform lawnmower. Because of course they are, because because it's podcast recording time. So what is it without a little three-ring circus? Um, the squirrels, there are four of them, I'm told, are being safely relocated, so you need not worry about them. And the house is being repaired so that new squirrels cannot get in and live behind the the bed the bedroom the master bedroom upstairs and wake us up at three in the morning. I mean, come on. I mean, I used to hunt squirrels as a kid. I'm a reformed squirrel hunter, um, but come on, they're gonna be they're gonna they're gonna have a better life. I'm I'm telling myself that anyway. It's just they're gonna be in a cage for a little while while they're relocated to relocation zones. Um, amazing. <laughs> so I'm recording on my brand new recorder. I hope this sounds good. And I know with Brian Baltashevitz it will, but I still was COVID positive when I did this interview, so I did it on Zoom, which I don't like to do. But I've met this woman face to face. Oh, first I have to tell you that Voice Locket is really taking off. I've got my first two big clients, and if you haven't checked it out, please do. That's the day job, voicelocket.com. And I capture these stories, and I've got some that are upcoming that I'm so excited about. People who have such rich lives, and we get to get them on film, you know, when they're in their 80s. They still have their memory sharp as a tack, still very active, um, but need to need to get them while we can because you can't just put it off forever. You never know. Um, don't want to live with regret. So check it out and tell me what you think. And also today, my guest is from this business networking group that I've been a part of that I've talked about, The Squad, with Lauren Widrig, um, who's been on the podcast. And this guest I have sat face-to-face -face with, even though we're doing this by Zoom. And she's amazing. She's wonderful. A great woman of faith. And you'll enjoy her story and be inspired by it. Charlene Jefferson. It seemed like for so long I've, you know, relied on others to help me figure out what I wanted to do. And so I think what the pandemic allowed me to do was to, to tap back into what I felt was my calling. This is In Her Words a podcast from manlisting.com, featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In her words, a conversation worth hearing because every woman deserves to be heard. Hey there, hi there, ho there. I'm Stuart Watson. This is my podcast, In Her Words, the In Her Words podcast. Today, Charlene Jefferson, who had a corporate career, had a safe and a very handsome paycheck, um, worked in data management and, you know, was set. And she stepped out on her own. And she felt led to be stepping out on her own and doing different things and working for herself as an independent contractor and also as a coach. And I really enjoyed meeting her. I've sat in meetings beside her and she and I met at Community Matters and had coffee and, and got to know one another because people don't just want to go on the podcast without knowing <laughs> 
who is this guy? So I was happy to do that. And I, I, we veered very quickly into her faith and how her faith informs her work. Really admire and respect her, Charlene Jefferson. Where were you born? I was born in a small town called Clinton, North Carolina. It's back east, um, maybe about 30 minutes to 45 minutes from the beach, which is in Wilmington, North Carolina, and about an hour or so from Raleigh, North Carolina. Small southern town. Did your mother tell you anything about her pregnancy, labor, and delivery with you? She did. She explained that she almost died with me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like she and I didn't hear that, Stuart, until probably, I don't know, maybe eight to ten years ago. I'm like, why are you just now telling me that? But I told her that just meant I'm her last child, but most gifted child. How many brothers and sisters? I have two other siblings. I'm the baby. I have an older sister and an older brother. I don't know if I was turned the wrong way or something like that. And I think it was something like that, maybe breach. It seems like you're close with family. Absolutely. My family, we are the type of family that gets together often. So we have family reunions every year as I was growing up. Just probably pre-pandemic, we decided to do it every other year because we had older siblings. It took a little bit of time to get them back into one central location back in Clinton. So we moved it to every other year. And so we are just excited that, you know, the pandemic is somewhat coming to a close, right? And we're maintaining it a bit better so that we can resume our biannual family reunion. So we call each other, we do Zooms with each other, super close with family. That's wonderful. I knew that because you went to your nephew's, what was it? Birthday. 14th birthday and your going to visit a friend who lost someone today. And so, I mean, it, that tells me that you're very connected. Like the idea of family is bigger than biological, just this little core unit. Absolutely. You got to be there for people you care about, right? Um, you said the key word connected. I think um, during the pandemic, that's one of the things that may have suffered because we couldn't see our family. We couldn't, you know, be with them and hug them and be close to them. And even now, as we kind of come out of the pandemic, our behaviors, we kind of still have that, uh, should we hug them? Should we not? So we should clo- you know, sit close to them or should we not? And so just to be connected w- with someone, that is so important because it it almost solidifies the relationship, right? It's like, I love this person. I talk to this person. I used to be able to sit close to this person and hug them. And so it was very, you know, very different to not be able to do that during the pandemic. So now we're just like, whatever, I love you. And if we have this thing, we'll have it together. (laughs) That's beautiful. The first time you and I met, we were at this little business networking group that Lauren Woodrick formed called The Squad. And you were sitting just to my left at the end of the table. And then the second time we met, we met for coffee at Community Matters Cafe, which I love, 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 a great space overlooking Uptown Charlotte. Um, 
And there's something about getting to know people that you can't do on Zoom. And that's why I hate that we're not doing this face to face. Because I think there's something that happens when people are in the same room that you cannot replicate no matter how good the video link is. Agreed, agreed. And thank you for introducing me to Community Cafe. I don't think I had ever heard about it, um, but I have visited a similar restaurant. It was called, um, what, a King's Restaurant, I believe it was. Yeah. Yes. Was my family and I? We actually visited there just because of its, you know, the concept of the restaurant, and we loved the service. We loved the the workers, and most importantly, the food was good. So, um, absolutely, I, I believe you're right. Zoom links, team meetings, you know, video chats and conferences, they'll never compare to that in person connectedness. There'll never be a replacement for it. I should say, um, you know, even in today's world, as we prepare to go back into the office. Many of us already are working in a hybrid capacity, you know, a couple of days in the office, a couple of days uh, at home. Um, that connectedness, that connectedness in person, uh, you know, events, Zoom teams will never be able to replace that. So you're right, that that does give us a, a different layer um, into the relationships that we have. I had I don't script any questions. You could probably tell. <laughs> but okay. something came up and I want to talk to you about it. Um, so I'm doing business with a company, a production company, mm -hmm. like film and video. Mm -hmm. And uh, Community Matters is, I believe, a nonprofit. But this company described themselves as a Christian company. And they're an mm -hmm. international company. Okay. And um, I, I have all type of feelings that come up about that word Christian. Yeah. Um, so Community Matters and the, um, I can't call the name of the place. I know where it is on West Trade, the, the King's Kitchen. The Kitchen, yes. They're both overtly, they hold prayer sessions. They're overtly Christian. Yeah. Um, so uh, um, I wouldn't describe myself as atheist. I mean, I'm a believer, but I don't know uh, where I stand with Christianity, so much so that my uncle would say, are you a Christian? And I would say, what do you mean by that? You know, yeah. so I know that your faith is central to everything you do, whether it's family, friends, visiting this person, or it also it pervades business. Yeah. So some people, when they see that uh, fish, that ichthus or the cross on the, on the plumber's truck, you know, uh, they run away. Mm. Um, what do you think, like, how does your faith inform what you do to put bread on the table? Absolutely. Um, and uh, I think that's an amazing question. As you ask the question, I'm looking at my shirt in the Zoom and it says, I can do all things. <laughs> Which is a Bible verse, right? Exactly. So what, you know, how does my faith, you know, help dictate the things that I do? I think it dictates everything. Right. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. I believe that if you're not doing it with the with a, a bigger picture in mind, feeling like you're being led by a greater being or force, then why are you doing it? Because I can't imagine one singular person 
just being able to feel like they are doing all of this, all that they accomplished by themselves. You know, how narcissistic is that, right? So um, when I think about what I do, and, and again, no matter what it is, no matter where it is either, I'm always thinking of who am I doing it for, you know, and what opportunity is before me. And so one of the things um, that I often talk about is doing my work as if I'm doing it unto, unto the Lord, because the opportunity has been given me because of him. I believe he's given that to me. And so no matter if I don't like my manager, no matter if I don't like these coworkers, or even if you don't like what you do, the opportunity has been given unto me from him. And I'm going to work at it as if I'm working at it to for him, because um, I believe that allows me to show up in a sense of excellency. Right. So it, it allows me to show up and say, OK, I'm not doing this for this particular person. I'm doing this to show God that I can, one, do something for him, right? Have faith that my abilities, my skill sets are going to resonate no matter who the person I see in for, before me is, you know, or what their requirements are. I'm going to do it before him and he will then, you know, be the person who says it's good work or not. He will be the person who says this is something you've done and you've done it great and you've done it well. And here's a promotion. Like that's where I am with things at this point in time in my life. But that wasn't always the case. I used to be a workaholic. You know, I would want it to work and I wanted to please my manager. I wanted to please, you know, whomever it was that gave me the task. And boy, did I learn quickly that that didn't lead to much fulfillment for myself. And so having that picture and reframing my life to say, I want to do what I do unto him because he's given me this, this, this opportunity, right? I want to steward what he's given me to the best of my ability with excellency so that he gets the glory. And so I think that's kind of the way I look at things now. Um, and I think that's had, that has given me the opportunity to be more fulfilled as a person. Was there a time in which you did something and you got pats on the back or you got money, you, 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 you did a good job, you got a bonus, whatever, and you felt like, well, this is getting me money, but I don't feel like I'm fulfilling my higher purpose. Absolutely. I would say the past uh, few years, I've felt like, you know, great, I'm paid well, I'm getting very good bonuses, I'm doing a good job, but not fulfilled. You know, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm showing up. And although I'm, again, showing up and doing, you know, doing it with excellency and working with excellency because this is the opportunity he gave me, I was not fulfilled. And so it took a lot of prayer and faith to say, okay, should I leave here? Because it is something that is helping to provide for me. You know, it's giving me, it's a source, right, that he's given me to provide for myself and family. Should I leave? Should I stay? Should I look for other opportunities? You know, what should I be doing right now? And it, and it took a lot of patience. It took a lot of um, faith and, and to understand, you know, what my next step should be and who should direct that step. Um, when you say those prayers asking for guidance, mm -hmm. um, for inspiration, intuition or decision making, the big three. 
Yeah. Um, how did those prayers sound for you? And how do you know when you're receiving an answer? <laughs> Good question. I would say at the beginning, you know, my, my prayers sounded like I was telling God what I wanted. <laughs> You and you know, me both. You and, you and me both. <laughs> I knew how to fix it. You know, God, let me fix it. You know, that was kind of how it started off. Um, but as I matured again and as I experienced life and gained new perspectives and just a new outlook on life, it became, Lord, help me to see all the things that you allow me to experience in my day from your perspective. Give me the direction. And don't allow me to miss it because I'm thinking it should look a certain way. And so that really made me take a breath every time something would happen. And instead of being triggered, whether that would be triggered into excitement or anger or whatever it was, instead of being triggered, what is this moment trying to teach me? You know, what should I get from this because everything I believe, everything that you experience is teaching you something. And you have a choice to either say, am I going to learn from it? Or am I just going to get caught up in my ego and be angry or be too excited that I don't even remember or take into account what I'm supposed to learn in this moment? And so with that said, you know, my prayers became, Lord, show me, give me patience, give me Give me true insight. Give me vision to be able to see the opportunities to see the the to experience you fully. Essentially, let me experience you fully in everything that happens to me for me in my life. And that's kind of where my prayers matured to. Um, now, what was your experience? Because I believe you changed jobs, right? Yeah. And so what was your experience like? How did you know when you were receiving guidance? What was that experience and what did you do to act on it? Sure. I think there is what's called, you know, divine alignment, right? Things you don't even know why they're happening. And sometimes there are things that you may have prayed for and you may have even forgotten about that prayer. And then all of a sudden it just happens the next day and you're like, I literally was just talking about that, you know, in my prayer, right? And it feels like it's just, it's, it's flows, right? It's fluid and it, it just flows and it, it happens. You're in alignment to what, you know, God is pulling out of you, which is your purpose, right? And um, I think at those moments is when I said, okay, this is, this is the time, you know, this is the time to leave. This is the time to to explore what God has for you in a different capacity with a different vigor for life with true faith, you know, and to believe in him that he will, you know, not just provide for you, but he'll promote you. You know, if you weren't getting that at where you are now or in my current position, then he can't create it. Like, right. I talked about earlier how I felt that he's the one who will promote you. And so I think if you, if it, it made me have to, be a hundred percent faithful. Well, God is in the details. So what job did you have? Yeah. Uh, did you have a job waiting for you when you left or did you create the new thing? Did you leap and the net will appear? This was a company. This was a stock exchange company that I worked for and I was a senior manager there and um, I pulled together, created, led, 
and manage a data analytics team, right? So when you think about stocks and, you know, bonds, all the trades that go on, you know, how do we protect that data and ensure that we're meeting the customer's needs? And so I basically help to drive the story, uh, create an, uh, insights for decision makers, right? To say, okay, this is what we should do. This is what we shouldn't do. This is what we need to do, you know, improve on, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so I was responsible for that. Charlene, it sounds like a very safe job. <laughs> Like you're you're not going to get fired. They're going to still need you. They're going to oh. need you to do business. You weren't in any danger of like you yeah. were on your way up the corporate ladder. You're getting your steady <laughs> paycheck. So why risk that? Why risk it? Because there's something greater. It seemed like for so long I've relied on others to help me figure out what I wanted to do. And so I think what the pandemic allowed me to do was to, to tap back into what I felt was my calling, what I felt was more fulfilling for me. And so for a little bit of time, I had been writing down like names of books, you know, names of things I wanted to talk about and share with the world. And I had just been dropping it into this box. And so during the pandemic, I was able to pull that box out and say, okay, I remember I was talking about that and, you know, that I was really like passionate about it, right? You know, just had a lot of fire behind it and I wanted to put effort into it. And during the pandemic, I was able to do that. And so I felt more connected to it. I felt like I wanted to put my more energy and time there. And so I think ultimately that led to um, me deciding to look for opportunities to leave. Now, the decision wasn't, I didn't make that decision quickly at all. Like I said, May was when I started to think about it leaving and I still didn't leave because I felt like I did not have the clear answer to just say just leave the reason I left was because actually someone reached out to me for consulting services I have this great opportunity I'd like for you to come in and help my team do this yeah and so I, I said okay well you know I this is my first interview. This is my first, you know, opportunity outside of where I am now. And I really haven't pursued anything else. And so that was the trigger to leave. And I took it. I left, you know, and so I'm doing two things now. I'm doing consultancy, but I'm able to do it at my own pace. So if it needs to be part time, you know, it can. And then I get to put more time and energy into elevating my business, you know, my coaching services. And so that's what I'm Tell me about that too. What do you do? How is that different from the consulting? The coaching business though, Charlene Jefferson Coaching is a high performance coaching business there where I help people, corporations cater to their high potentials and their high achievers to ensure that they are equipped from a standpoint of career but also from a standpoint of life to to show up in the best version of themselves consistently. So how do we do that? We do that with, you know, great vigor, great joy. We should, right? But a lot of people don't, right? More is taught than taught as we've grown up and become adults. And I want to help the next stage of adults and current adults, right? Live life on purpose, you know, with greater intention, with greater vigor, with more excitement and joy that, has seemingly, you know, been kind of pushed down, right? Because we've gotten into this routine. We need to work. We need to make money. We need to provide. We need to work, make money, provide. But what about the part in the Bible where it says, you know, 
you know, enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? You know, what about the part in the Bible where it talks about resting? You know, what 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 about those parts? How do we create that great balance where we are living on purpose, but creating a better habit for living, a better habit of living, you know? And so I think that's what I'm trying to help people do. Well, that's what I'm helping people do with my coaching service. I'm creating a better habit of living for them. There's a lot of anxiety out there now, and we're learning a lot post-COVID about what we value at work, you know, Mm -hmm. and folk are waking up to, I don't have to do this. You know, I could, I could be doing something else. I don't have to work 80 hours a week, or I don't have to work with a miserable boss or, you know, people are waking up that they don't, they don't have to work in unsafe, unhealthy, toxic work environments. Um, I woke up a little late when they fired me from (laughs) one of those environments. So, so the Lord works in mysterious ways. But um, what I'm wondering is, um, how do you acquire a habit of not worrying? How do you acquire the habit of hope? Yeah, that's a very, very great question. And I don't know that there's one perfect answer to it. Um, I think many of the things, I think oftentimes what we look forward to in a answer is for someone to fix it and make it go away, right? That is not what I can do for you. And that is not what anyone can do for you. No one's going to make it go away. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you're not going to have trouble. Nowhere. In fact, it tells you, you will be troubled on every side, right? Now, what it does give you is what are ways, methods, strategies to handle what comes at you, to prepare yourself to handle what comes after at you in life, right? And so I think that's what I'm able to provide. How do we manage life in a way that in, in a way that allows us to show up in the best version of ourselves, but also to show our children how to create that same habit, right? So again, oftentimes we 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 do things as parents, as aunts, uncles, caregivers, etc. And we we think, okay, well, these people are too young to to learn what I'm doing, right? To understand what I'm doing. Very true. However, they're catching everything you do. They're watching everything you do. And I think we, you know, as older, you know, folks now, we, we see that, okay, oh, they're doing that because I did it, you know? So they're catching us. But what if we took the time and showed our kids or showed others that here's how to create a better habit of living around this? There's this line of scripture that came to me. Um, who knows from where is the consider the lilies of the field. Yeah. You know, they don't work. They don't worry about tomorrow. They don't worry about, am I beautiful enough? Yeah. Am I earning enough? They have no worries whatsoever. And, and I saw in the secular world, I mean, what you are describing are habits, techniques, Mm -hmm. strategies, but I saw a woman with a shirt. I said, I, I really want a shirt like that. It said, mindset is everything. Yeah. So what precedes any of these actions, whether it's making note of where I eat and what I eat and when I eat and how much yeah. I eat, whether it's even making that notation, a mindset has to precede that. And that is, I have not given up. I believe this can change. I believe that with God's help, I can become a better version of myself. 
And so the mindset, whether it's secular, spiritual, whatever, the mindset has to precede that. And so give me an example, a specific example of where the old Charlene would have done this, but the more mature, more developed Charlene did that, or where you made a different choice as yeah. a result of a shift, of a changing, a renewing of your mind, you made a different yeah. action. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could give you a specific example because I'm thinking of something most recently, but I would say just, you know- the, Well, recent the, is good. Yeah, the, just the decision of, of leaving, you know, corporate America. You know, yeah. I got a big decision, a big choice for me um, to, to leave my, my current role, right? Like I said, there was there were some reasons to leave for sure. Um, but when you think of the life I have now and just understanding how seemingly that job allowed me to, to live the life I have, I had to just think, is it worth it? You know, was it, is, was it worth it? The, the old Charlene, she would have stayed, you know, she would have just continued to stay. She would have not taken the opportunity that came to her and just felt more secure in you know, some full-time corporate America role where she was, you know, making a lot of money. Um, would have not- been fearful. There's that, you know, that word fear. Absolutely. Fearful of, of making that change, you know, especially having bought a house, you know, recently just all of these things. Right. But the new, <laughs> new reform, Charlene, I'll say the growing Charlene who feels like her life is, and who she is is more fluid and 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 flowing. Um, she said, "You know, we have to do things with greater faith, right? It wouldn't be faith if I knew uh, what was going to happen." And um, actually, just a little insert there: me and my 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 significant other and I, we were talking about this transition that I was pondering since May, and we were talking about how faith and fear both you know, are founded on the the thing of uncertainty, right? So even if I'm fearful, you're fearful because you can't see what's happening of, of before, you know, ahead of you, right, in the future. And that gives you fear of that uncertainty. And the same thing with faith, right? In order to have faith, it says it's the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things unseen. So whether you are fearful or faithful, they both are, you know, reside upon you not understanding or what is ahead of you right that uncertainty uncertainty and instead of choosing fear the new charlene chooses faith i'm going to have faith that no matter what it is my god is going to provide for me he's going to open the doors that i need to be open he's going to bring the people in my life that i need to be here to elevate me you know for the purpose he's he's divine you know has divine for me so that is an example of new charlene versus the old charlene and choices Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all-around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life, and sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. 
Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children. I have to ask you this. You go to what I think can safely be called a majority black church. How did you process uh, the the resurgence of white supremacy in such an accepted way and the Black Lives Matter movement through your faith? Like, how did you see it through what would Jesus have us do? And Mm -hmm. do do you share my hope that the church is one place where, whether it's black church, white church, that we can have conversations that put us on sort of a common footing as as fellow children of God. Wow. I I would say um, how I'd approach that is what God would call us to do would be to love, you know? That's what that's what he would call us to do, to love one another. Right. We're all in the same race, um, the human race. Uh, and I think that's essentially it. Of course, there are you know races within that, you know, ethnicities, et cetera. And we have been raised a certain way. We have been you know raised in whatever culture that may have have, you know, been in. And that has shaped, you know, who we are. Right. And but I think at the end of the day, what what it comes down to is understanding that we are in the human race together and how can we help and love one another, not necessarily agreeing. No one, you know, says you have to agree, but you do have to be able to exist together. Right. And thrive together. And I think, you know, people who take on that perspective and want to set up their themselves, their families, um, and help others. I think that is definitely a true testament of you wanting to, you know, live out, you know, being created in the image of God, you know, loving one another, right. Living together again, not necessarily agreeing, but living together, helping to elevate each other, um, even with different perspectives, even with different cultures and upbringings, even with different beliefs, et cetera, but not hurting you know your fellow brother or your fellow sister right just helping to elevate and love one another i believe that's what god would call us to do i ask a rude question how old are you (laughs) i am 40 years old and you own it i do i do (laughs) you just turned owning (laughs) owning it i like to talk to people who are out of their 20s even out of their 30s because uh, of this this question, was there a time when something happened, a loss, something you really wanted and you didn't get, something that was a huge disappointment, that it actually like knocked the breath out of you, it knocked the wind out of you, and and it caused you like when things like that happen, you can either get closer to your faith. Or you can say, forget this. Mm-hmm. So what happened in your life and why did you make the decision not to abandon your faith? Mm, that's a good question. If I could, 
I, I would say that early, uh, maybe it was like 2013 or 2014, um, I think I was really, again, just super into corporate America, super, you know, just trying to really work and climb the ladder, right? And so I felt like I was devoting myself, my life to that, um, that initiative, right? Just, okay, what can I do? What training can I take? You know, what, uh, you know, what can I attend, whether it's conferences to show that my, my leadership team that, you know, I'm, I'm invested, right? I'm invested in my personal development, but I'm also invested in the company, right, to move up. And I just felt like I was doing that so much that at some point I wasn't feeling like I was getting the return on my investment. And I believe that I began to resent, you know, all the work that I was doing, all the effort that I was making and putting towards becoming, you know, the best leader, you know, being the most informed leader, you know, and, and the best person for the next promotion, you know, and I just felt like it became, I became resentful of it. And so I believe that kind of just knocked my breath out, right? Because I had put so much time in it to doing that and becoming the best, um, you know, leader and putting myself forward and helping people out with no recognition, you know, none of that, you know, just really just helping people, right? That I wanted to stop. I'm like, why am I helping these people if they're not even, you know, thankful seemingly, right? Because I'm at corporate America. How do people thank you? They thank you with more money and raises and promotions, right? And so I wasn't getting that. And I'm like, who wants to continue doing this if you're not going to get the return on the investment? And again, I started to just resent it. I just started to, you know, and I took it out on myself, my body, right? I began to just eat whatever I wanted to, whenever I wanted to just really indulge, right? Overindulge, I guess you can say. And I just began to gain, you know, weight. And it just, it wasn't who I was and it wasn't who I wanted to be. And no matter how much I said that, I still wanted to go out and eat more, eat more sweets. You know, I just, that's how I felt like I dealt with it. That wasn't the way I needed to deal with it. And so it wasn't until, you know, probably 2014, 2015, I was like, okay, this is not what I want. I don't want to continue to gain weight and I don't want to be unhappy in my role. I want to get into a place where I feel like I'm working, um, I'm working towards something, right? And I'm getting the return on that. And I think that's when that whole perspective shift, right? Working and stewarding what God has given me, you know, really looking at it from that standpoint. And I think that's where that mindset shift began for me in 2014. Also in 2014, I decided to get, while I grew up in faith, grew up in the church, I decided to get baptized. So I, I recommitted like a hard recommitment to God, to living for him, got baptized, uh, you know, attended my new leadership training. I even um, got certified to lead Bible study. Wow. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So I did that. And um, I actually did. I, I did that for, I did the kids, kids, I think, Bible study, I think, uh, or Sunday school, I should say. Was it Bible study? It was How Bible old are they? The kids were... I want to say they were either between five and maybe 10. Yeah, it's a good age. Yeah. So I did that for um, for probably maybe one, maybe six months or so. And I felt like reconnecting and reshifting 
it really kind of helped solidify the very beginnings of me shifting, you know, of me becoming who I am right now. Right. And so, I, I, I mean, that's 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 what I would say about that, essentially. The, the biggie is, and I ask everybody, if we got struck by lightning today and the only thing that survived was this little piece of digital audio, what is your legacy? Mm. I would say live your life in a way that you feel would be most representative of what God desired for you. And how you do that is to tap into your true purpose, to do, to dive into self-discovery, personal development as most as you can, no matter what role you're in, whether you're a CEO or the janitor, um, because I believe that you can make a difference in people's lives, no matter where you are, what level you are, and most importantly, I believe you can make a difference in your own life, the way you live, in a way that impacts, you know, your kids and those around you positively. So that's a great message yeah. with the verb you. Who knows you better than anyone else? Exactly. Who, who knows you, Charlene? Who, better, better, better than, than you. Right. Who's the other person? <laughs> me and God know me. Uh, <laughs> is your mother still with us? My mom is still living, yes. Okay, someone like your mom or a sibling, who knows you better than anyone else? If it has to be a person, and I guess I could say my mom. Okay, if you passed away today, what would she say about you? <laughs> she was headstrong. Um, <laughs> knew what she wanted and she knew what she didn't like. And she didn't mind letting you know. <laughs> And those are all great traits, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and traits that can be used of God, despite how headstrong or that's right. I mean, the ability to say what we want, and what we don't want. Yeah. Now, uh, can you say to God, I don't want this or I don't like this. But if you say this is what I need to do, I'll do it. <laughs> can you say that? All the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Yeah. I, I talk about the three things that, you know, I feel like have helped me out. And I think are uh, is one is God um, having a will to do things, but also willpower. Right. Because sometimes I think willpower is what allows us to do the things we don't want to do. And especially when you're not getting a return, having the willpower to continue. So and be consistent. Well, um. Again, forgive the hammering, but above your head, I wish people could see it, is the word thankful. Yeah. And I consider you to be a grateful person. You're smiling. You're a grateful person. I'm grateful to you for sparing this time to share just a little of Charlene yeah. Jefferson with everybody. Absolutely. Thank you, Stuart. I'm absolutely thankful for the opportunity. Um I was looking forward to this. You're such, such a great uh, inspiration. And obviously you make it easy to, to have a conversation with you. So I think that that certainly helps. And again, thankful and grateful for the opportunity. Charlene Jefferson is a coach and also a consultant and working in data management and consulting people. And wow, 
I, I just, I really enjoyed that. Almost didn't get to get it all. Between the COVID and her schedule and my schedule, it's just, I'm so glad we could fit it in and I'm so grateful to her. Thank you, Charlene. In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp Miller and Roshonda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Katherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for man listening. One word, no spaces. A small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women. Thank you so very much to everyone who supports the In Her Words podcast, manlistening.com, and all my wacky ventures, like Voice Locket. Check that out. Thanks so very much. Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much.